Tomorrow our nation honors men and women that have served our country. Many who willingly put their lives on the line to protect others. Many purchasing freedom at the cost of their own blood. You know, even today, there are those that go to skirmishes and and battles and things around the globe that put themselves out there on the front lines fighting for the freedoms that we enjoy. And many times they come back with scars and wounds or sometimes things that are visible on the outside, sometimes not so visible on the outside, but still wounds nonetheless on the inside. I've had friends that have gone to serve one friend in particular that's coming to mind, he went to serve in Iraq and was this great friend. He just happened to be part of the reserve and he ended up having to go. And he came back and he struggled with his faith for a long time because his words to me was, he goes, I saw things that I just can't wrap my head around. It shook my faith. Now, obviously, I wasn't there. I didn't see what he saw. But I said, what you have to remember is the things that you saw are because of principalities and powers that deny the authority of God. So therefore, decisions are made that shows what this world would be like without the price that Jesus paid. But you know, we also, not only those that serve, but those that that are many times left behind, the families that that, that stood by husbands and wives and and, and that are sons and daughters, and they make, many times families make great sacrifice for those that serve our country. But I was wondering, for those of us that haven't served, have you ever wondered what it'd be like to sign your name on a piece of paper that could possibly lead to the end of your life? You thought about what it'd be like to crawl upon a and sleep on a small squeaky bunk. And the whole reason that bunk is available for you to have that bed is because somebody made the ultimate sacrifice. Or being called upon to board a ship or a plane, not knowing if you will ever make the return trip. But yet doing those things with the idea that there is something greater than ourselves, something worth fighting for. You know, there are those in life that run from danger. There are others that run towards it. And we ought to be thankful for those that run towards it that have that attitude, that realize there's something greater. And I was thinking about that and thinking about this whole idea of of what to do on Veterans Day as we pause as a nation and we stop and look because, you know, freedom isn't free. The things that we have, you know, so many times people think these these rights and these abilities that we have are just rights and abilities that are, that are there, but they're not. They can be taken away many places around the world. People do not have the rights and freedoms that we do. 
And sometimes we need to look at that. And so as I was thinking about that and, and thinking about what it means, Lord, to, for, for people to, that, that care about loved ones and care about things and, and are willing to go in and use themselves as a shield against evil, my mind went to Ephesians six sixteen, where it says this, in addition to all this, what is all that? Right before this, Scripture talks about that we're in a battle. It talks about that we need to stand against the forces of evil. And it talks about the armor that God gave us that we can strap on and we can put on. And the picture is very much an offensive picture. It's very much a picture of going to war. And so it talks about the helmet of salvation. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness and, and all the pieces. And it comes down after it describes all the pieces... It makes this statement, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What is this faith? What is a great faith that would cause somebody to run towards danger when the flaming arrows, so to speak, are coming in with the idea that I'm going to be a shield against this i'm going to stand up against it i'm going to make way for other people in other words being able to face down the fiery arrows which is the title i've given the message today as we wrap up this series on arrows the whole idea of facing down the fiery arrows because the truth is you may not like to think about it this way but we are at war It's a war for souls. It's a war of opposing kingdoms. And so I thought, what is as I looked at this message, what what soldier can I pull out of the Bible? What what can I use to convey this idea of standing up and being a soldier, being a man of God and, and taking up the shield of faith? What does that kind of faith look like? And my mind ended up as a place that I didn't really anticipate going, but it's found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. And the story kind of wraps up with this. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. And if ever there was a shield of faith, that was a shield of faith. A man that had a servant that was serving him, that the Bible says became paralyzed, and as the man told Jesus, was suffering greatly. And this was a military man. This is a man that, that had people at his disposal. He, he was a centurion, which meant that he had a hundred men under his command, and that was battle-ready, dressed people that could go to fight at a moment's notice, not to mention the servants and the various people he had helping him. So what enabled this military officer to win such a great battle, such a battle of faith? I mean, this may not, I'm, this is not a battle that, you know, who knows what kind of decorations he had. He probably had all kinds of medals and awards and things. You don't rise to the level of centurion without anything. But yet I would say that this particular battle that he won on behalf of his servant was one of the greatest battles that he won. How did he approach Jesus? What can we learn from that? Well, number one, I think we can learn that he approached Jesus in humility. 
He didn't allow his position to keep him from asking for help. See, too many times, what do we do? Too many times we're in a situation. There are times, I'm being transparent and honest this morning, but there's times that, that we can make an altar call, I can make an altar call, and I'm speaking, and the Holy Spirit will show me people that that call is for. And you had to watch them not respond all because of pride. Not being humble enough to realize that there is something. Yes, you can find Jesus in your seat. Yes, you can pray in your seat. But sometimes Jesus is looking for a response, some kind of a walk of faith where you can come down and say, you know what, that is me. Where you humble yourself. Yet this centurion humbled himself enough to say, you know what, there's nothing I can do for my servant, but I know somebody that can. And so he approached him in humility. Then there's care. He cared for his servant. You know, he could have easily just said, you know what, this servant is no good to me anymore. He's just a servant out with the old, in with the new. But yet we see that he cared. We see that he was moved by compassion upon the servant. So he made the journey to go see Jesus at the possibility of something being done to help his servant. Matter of fact, it says that he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and is in terrible suffering. Can you heal him? He cared. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes we can get so caught up in our own situations, we can get so caught up in our own agendas that we lose the ability to really care. They were walking along and we're stepping over casualties around us in this thing we call life that's really a war. And we just, as long as everything's okay for us, we're good. There ought to be something where we care, something where we have compassion for others. A guy by the name of Vince Lick, Licklider, he's actually the lead vocalist for a group called Jonah 33. It's not a band I was familiar with, but I was listening to Spotify one day and I had, you know, Christian music playing and it hit the end of my playlist. And sometimes it takes the genre you're listening to and it jumps over and starts playing other stuff in that. And, and so it played this song by this band and I'm like, I really like this. Who is this? Recently ran across, a, ran across a quote of his, and it so fits what we're talking about. He says this, and I thought this was incredible. He says, the church has had its hands up and its eyes closed for 10 years while Satan has come in the back door and picked off families and pastors because we're more focused on what we can get out of God. Wow. So I thought, what are you moved by? What, what moved you? What moves you? Just yourself? Or do you long for Jesus to meet the needs of somebody else? Is there care and compassion where you see somebody in, in a situation? There's many times I go to a hospital to visit somebody or I go to do something and, and my heart so breaks for what the person is going through. And there's only so much I can do. And I know prayer works and that's why I'm there. But sometimes don't you just, you know, something's wrong if at times you don't just feel a little helpless when you see the circumstance that somebody else is facing. But then he also had belief. 
He believed in Jesus and he took Jesus at his word. Think about this. He walks up, he asks for this healing for his servant and his servant and Jesus looks at him and says, okay, let's go. He says, oh, no, no, I'm not worthy for you to come underneath my roof. But I understand authority. I tell this one to go and he goes. I tell this one to come and he comes. All I need for you to do is speak the word. Jesus says, it'll be done just as you believed. But you know what else Jesus said? I mean, I love it, those moments that somebody has enough faith that Jesus stops and makes sure everybody else understands the level of faith that they had. And that's exactly what Jesus did here. He stopped and he said, this man's faith, I haven't found faith like this anywhere. And this was a Roman soldier. This was someone that was supposed to be the enemy. And God, what, what, what a great victory that day. Yes, like I said, there's probably not any medals he got for that, but what a victory of faith. Matter of fact, this morning, I really believe that victory can only be seen through the eyes of faith especially on the spiritual side. We can't win a victory if we don't see it in the spirit and we don't believe by faith that it is going to take place. Matter of fact, that song from Jonah 33 that caught my ears, the name of the song is, and matter of fact, I pull it out and listen to it fairly often because there's just something to it. The name of the song is, I want a faith like that. looking at this centurion. I'm looking and I'm saying, I want a faith like that. I want to be able to go and say, you know what? You don't even have to come. You don't have to do things within the box of what I think it needs to be done in. All I need for you is to say the word. I want a faith like that. So what does it look like to have that kind of faith? You know, who do, who do you know? Think about yourself. Who do you know that, would, that you would look at and you would declare, you know what, I want a faith like that? Chances are it's some veteran of the faith. See, I think we need to honor our veterans, but I think we also as the church need to honor the veterans of our faith. See, we're standing on the shoulders of people that made countless spiritual sacrifices so that we could get where we're at. Just like people sacrifice for the freedom we enjoy in this nation, there are people that have sacrificed so much so that you could stand here in faith with Jesus Christ today. Matter of fact, we have the freedom of worshiping in this place today because of the stand that some people made. You may not be aware of this. It's on our website, but we don't sit here and talk about it a whole lot. But this church, the original church, was, is a church plant of First Assembly of God of Dallas. And it all happened because back at the beginning of the Pentecostal revival, First Assembly of God in Dallas was born and, and they were trying to reach out and advance around other people. And so they sent a group of people to sit up on the street corner in Rockwall, Texas. 
this little town out in the middle of nowhere, to begin to play and sing and preach. And that was way back in the early 1930s. Let that sink in for a moment. Matter of fact, that little thing became a church in 1939. It officially became First Assembly, wait, I'm not used to the long time. First, First Assembly of God of Rockwall, Texas. I always forget where my ofs go. Because if you get it right on government forms, they don't, you know. But the interesting thing is the first church building began, they'd met for, for a while in a, in a storefront just off the square. And in, in, in 1948, they decided it was time to get their first real building that was theirs. So they bought a piece of property. And Reverends Marshall and Martha Hammock came to Rockwall, Texas to be the pastors. That name may sound kind of familiar because Glenn Daniels' wife, Delora, that passed away, her last name was Hammock. That was her parents. That was Diane Daniels' grandparents. That was Patty Plubel's grandparents. There's those people that were a part of that history. Matter of fact, the new, their new church building they started on was, was at 609 East Rusk Street. It's literally just a couple of blocks over. Matter of fact, it's a little white frame building that's known as the Community Playhouse now. Matter of fact, they made a trip in 1952 to Arkansas to get the lumber to build that building. Guess who one of the people was that worked to build that building? Glenn Daniel. He was here for the early service. You'll recognize him. If he laughs, you know he's in the building. But just a man of God, what a, what a heritage. Matter of fact, you know what he used to do? I was talking to him here all back, and he mentioned, you know, we've got this six-plus acres of land. That, and I mean, you know, that's a lot of mowing. He used to mow this property with a push mower. And sometimes you struggle to get people to ride a zero-turn radius mower just to mow it. That's commitment. That's the kind of shoulders we're standing on. Glenn is a veteran of the faith. So who's going to step up and take these veterans' places? Where do we start? How can we change the mindset and become motivated enough to strap on the armor and to take a stand? Because the rest, the previous verses in Ephesians 6 says, put on the full armor of God so you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. So this morning, I just have a couple of main points, but point number one, it's time to enlist. It's time for the people of God to realize that we're in a war. It's time for enlistment. See, historically, 
in this nation, when there's been times of great peril, when there's been struggles, when there's been wars, when we've been attacked, people have responded by voluntarily enlisting. Matter of fact, today we're, we're celebrating part of this Veterans Day it was on November 11th in 1918, 100 years ago, the armistice that ended World War I was signed. The war ended literally on the 11th day of the 11th month at 11 o'clock, Paris time. Now, it was agreed upon at 5 a.m., but by the time all the documents were signed and all the orders got out, it was literally 11 o'clock Paris time before hostilities ended. And Army Sergeant Henry Gunther of the 79th Division was literally killed at 10.59 a.m., one minute before the war was over. He was the last American to lose his life. As many as 4.7 million Americans served in the military during World War I. About 116,000 died. About 204,000 others were wounded. You see the sacrifice that people made? So what would happen if we as believers begin to think of ourselves in terms of being soldiers of the cause? Soldiers of the cross who would pick it up and follow and would take on the cause of Jesus. If we saw ourselves as a part, a vital part of this war for hearts and lives and eternal souls. If we were to ask, what can I do for the kingdom instead of what can the church do for me? You guys are quiet. But the centurion, he came to ask Jesus. He went where his faith took him. He understood that victory could only be seen through the eyes of faith, and that faith was rewarded. See, Jesus is the source of faith. Source of faith. Jesus is not, you know, it's, faith is not something that we conjure up. It's not something that we can play mind games with ourselves and convince ourselves that something happens. If you want a great faith, you must approach the great Lord because you can't farm faith out. It's something you have to cultivate yourself with the Spirit's help. And the truth is this relationship is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you passion and energy and and possibly your life. I think we've forgotten somehow. We, we think, in a sense, and I'm not trying to be too harsh this morning, but I think we've forgotten that the idea is to serve the king, not the king serve us. And that we need to get back to this idea that I'm serving the king, and if he calls upon me to give my life in his service, then there's no better way to live a life. The greatest thing we can do is not serve ourselves, but to serve others. If you want to be God, if you want God's blessing on your life, start laying it down for the cause of others. We just recently reworked our vision statement for the church. We broke it down to four points. Encounter God, embrace people, experience serving, and engage the lost. Pastor Nate read it earlier, John 15, 13, greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That doesn't mean you've got to go 
give your life, you may be called upon, but that means that we need to be willing to set aside our life. We need to be willing to lay it down for a few hours to do something for somebody else that makes a difference. See, we too often, I'm afraid, we mislead people by telling them, we, we, call, we give an altar call, we bring them forward, we say, okay, pray this sinner's prayer, I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and when I do, God's going to save you, and everything's going to be great. It is going to be better. But I think too many times we left out the fact that you just signed up for a war. I've had too many people that, that have come and they've given their life to Christ and they're baptized and they leave and then all of a sudden it seems like things of the world begin to attack. How many know the enemy wants to steal what just happened? And you see them, oh, this is too hard, I'm out of here. I think sometimes we need to let people know, okay, God's done this work. You're free, you're saved, you're forgiven, but hold on. You're still in a war. There's still stuff that's going to happen. And, but it's a, it may be a sacrifice, but it's a good sacrifice. Have you ever noticed that the ones that complain the most are the ones that don't enlist in service? The people that are rolling up their sleeves, the people that are jumping in the midst of ministry, the people that are holding on their shield of faith and they're standing up and they're doing things, they're the ones that don't have time to complain. They're too busy trying to do what Jesus has told them to do. It's a good sacrifice. So we follow Christ at his will. You'll find more fulfillment than that. Trust me. That's why we chose the words experience serving. So when you serve, you'll find more fulfillment than anything else you'll do. See, just as the veterans here today should be proud of their service, we should be proud of our service for the kingdom. I'll never forget how proud I was that day. I'd done my Bible schooling. I'd finished all that. I'd gone through the interview process. I'd done all the stuff I was supposed to do. And one day I was at home years back I'm not going to tell you how many but years back and I walked to the mailbox I opened the mailbox and there was this envelope from national headquarters of the Assemblies of God and I opened it up and on the inside was this little card and printed right there I mean printed you know not not something handwritten not something I mean this was official and it was printed and it said Reverend David Spiegel I was proud that moment not the wrong kind of proud, but just like, yes. This means I'm in. This means that I'm a part, that I've said yes to the call. This means I'm stepping into what he's called me to do, and I'm going to be a part of that. I couldn't wait to walk in. When the day finally came, I was able to walk in to my job and say, oh, by the way, this is my two weeks notice. I'm stepping into this God thing full time. See, it's time, at times we all do this. There's times, I'll be honest, I'm up to my neck in the battle, in the war. This is blowing up over here. This person is hurting over here, and there's stuff going on everywhere, and I feel like I'm running around trying to spin plates before one of them wobbles and falls off and breaks. But you know what? As difficult as it can be at times, 
I never think about putting down that shield. I never think about putting down that shield. See, none of us are called, not all of us are called to full-time service, but we are all called to serve. It's football season. I really think that that's the reason they wrote that song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, maybe not. But just think, yesterday, all the college games, today, the NFL games, somewhere, somehow, some coach is standing in the middle of a locker room, and he's telling all those guys, he's saying, gentlemen, strap up, get your armor on, we're getting ready to go to war. And I understand what he's saying, but that's not real war. Yes, they're putting their bodies on the line, but they're getting handsomely rewarded for that. But it's nothing like those that have gone before us, the veterans of the faith. They were tied to a stake and torched. They were put in the middle of an arena with the crowd cheering for the other team, the Lions. Let that sink in for a moment. And the things that they were facing... But we can honestly say that anyone who chooses to follow Christ is a soldier of the cross. Because when we follow him, that means we lay down our personal desires and we lay down our personal agenda and we do it all for the cause of the cross. 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, Paul in talking to his son in the faith, Timothy said, endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Which leads me to my second point. Battle scars. Doing this thing is going to leave a mark. Your service for the kingdom is going to leave a mark. You cannot lay down your life for the cause of Christ without some scars. Oh, you might not get a purple heart, but every soldier endures pain, struggle. And if you're really fighting for the cause of Christ, there's even going to be some persecution. But I love what Albert Hubbard says, he was an American philosopher from the late 1800s, says this. He says, he says, God will not look you over for medals, degrees, or diplomas, but for scars. See, you'll have scars. But I believe that when we get to heaven, our scars are going to be our medals, that our scars are going to be the thing that is beautiful in heaven. And we get them by leaving a mark on somebody else's life. Think about that. I'm sure you've heard it said many times. Somebody shows up and they got a black eye and they got some serious scars and marks on them from, and obviously they've been in a fight. And you say something, they say, oh yeah, but you ought to see the other guy. I think that's going to be a little bit of what heaven's like. I think we're going to have our scars and our wounds, but I think they're going to be beautiful in heaven. And we're going to get a chance to say, oh, yeah, I got marked up a little bit, but you ought to see the marks I left behind me when I left. 
that I marked somebody else's life. I took new territory for the kingdom. I stood up with my shield of faith against those fiery arrows. And the whole time I had my other hand on the sword of the spirit. And for every blow the enemy struck, I struck two back. What if instead of us cowering when the enemy attacks, we got a little upset? He said, you know what? Satan, you did that. I'll show you, I'm going to pray twice as long this week. I'm going to talk to three times more people than normal. I'm going to, you, you took, I'm going to, I'm going to take some new ground. What if we had that attitude? What if we, what if we got into the battle, we got rose up and got back in the battle. And when those things happen, we let it make us better, not bitter. You see, a good soldier has their share of scars, but they never, but they never turn loose that shield of face. They face down the arrows of the enemy. And the only way to fight and to, is to shield others from the things until they can take up their own shield of faith. Because they're over there out there and they're just taking those arrows of the enemy on. Life is beating them up and we ought to be in the business of going over and shielding them until they get it and they can pick up their own shield of faith and then we go on and find somebody else. That's what we are meant to do because that shield, that faith can heal marriages. That faith can save families. That faith can change communities. That faith can start revivals. That faith can save a nation. But we got to get back to it. And we never know how critical some soldier's actions are in saving a nation. You may have seen it in the news. On Monday, July 31st, President Trump issued a Medal of Honor to an Army veteran by the names of James McLaughlin. 48 years ago, he repeatedly risked his life to save 10 fellow soldiers during a a hard-fought battle that lasted a whole day in Vietnam's central coast. 71 years old now. Why don't you picture this? It was a battle that was a little over 30-something men, and they fought, and they dug in, and they held 2,000 enemy soldiers at bay. And what he did that got him that medal... Should have been awarded a long time ago, but you know, the Vietnam War was exactly the popular thing, so I think there's a lot of people with a lot of valor that haven't gotten the pats on the back that they deserve. You know what he was doing? He was going towards the bullets to get those that were wounded to bring them back out. Saved 10 lives with the modern-day version of the fiery arrows bombarding their position so you may never know how that can save souls or or, or what life can cause us to step up and do that will make a difference see because there's terminologies that the that the military has for those that have been wounded in battle there's minimal where that means they don't need immediate immediate treatment they need treatment but it can wait it's not on the highest part of the priority list there's delayed which means the treatment can be waited for a little bit, but it's still kind of serious. There's immediate, which means something's got to be done now. And then there's expectant, which means they're not expected to make it. 
For honest, we're surrounded in this world by people that are immediate and expectant. And if somebody doesn't grab the shield of faith and get in the battle, they're not going to make it. Great faith brings great healing. And faith matters. Jesus said to the centurion, it will be done just as you have said. How many times did Jesus respond to faith? His character hasn't changed. We stand up and we grab the shield of faith and we get in the battle. He will respond. Which leads to the very last thing as we bring this to a close. We need to get back to having faith in the cause. Max Lucado says this, faith is not the belief that God will do what you want. It's the belief that God will do what is right. Faith in the cause. See, the final outcome is up to him, but we get to be a part of it. We get to step in. We get to... Use our faith. We need to become soldiers of the cross. And just like a soldier, we need to stand up. We need to rise up. We need to put our faith into action. We need to strap on that armor. I'm not going to get too much into it, but if you read it, it's all stuff on the front for offense. It's not stuff for when you're running away. It's not the plated seat of, incons- of, in- of complacency to save your while you're running away. I don't know if we'll leave that on the recording or not, but just. (laughs) But we need to grab our shield. We need to start facing down fiery arrows because victory can only be seen through the eyes of faith. So what does that mean for us today? We're here and we're standing on the shoulders of people that have made great sacrifices, that helped build buildings, that gave sacrificially, that left Dallas to come to a little place called Rockwall to hold some street corner meetings. It's our turn now. This isn't a political cold war. It's a live shooting war. And it's time we realize it and get in the battle. So what do we do? When our veterans enlisted in the military, what did they do? They stood and they took an oath for the position, right? So today... I'm going to give you a chance to enlist in the Lord's army. If you really believe that God is calling you to step up and do more and be more and get in the middle of this fight, we can chase after accumulating stuff. But when this world's done, it's done. It's just stuff or we can invest in what's going to be lasting for eternity. 
we can enlist and get in the midst of the battle. So if you're ready to enlist, make a renewed commitment, I want you to stand up and raise your right hand. And our swearing in is going to be the pledge to the Christian flag. It's okay, I put the words on the screen because I don't do this pledge very often and I might even stumble with it myself. But I want us to pledge, I love this flag. But this is the one. It's going to last for eternity. Let's pledge allegiance to this flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for which it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. See, there's a place. There's a place for each of us in his kingdom. You may say, well, I'm not a front lines person. It's all right, even in war, there's people that handle logistics while there's on the front line. Whatever your giftings are, there's a place in his kingdom that that can be utilized to make a difference. I want to pray for you. Father, you see those that raise their hands today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize Lord God, that we are in a live shooting war. This isn't an exercise. This isn't training. This isn't a playground. Lord, this is the real thing. And Lord, lives, but not just lives, eternal souls hang in the balance. Lord, let us get past, Lord, our idea of what's comfortable for us or what feels good for us. But, Lord, let us get in the midst of this thing. And, Lord, I realize that there are people that will make the statements that I've served before and I was wounded and I was hurt. I understand that. Lord, I'm not belittling any of that. But, Lord, those are the things that you can use to help somebody else that's been wounded. And so, Lord, I pray that we would understand, Lord, the scars we bear as we follow in service to you, Lord, are going to be things of beauty when we get to heaven. Lord, that we're going to be rewarded for those things. And, Lord, we're going to be able to say, look at what I endured for the cause of the kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would empower us. I pray that you would anoint us. I pray that you'd let us get back up and get into this thing, Lord, and fight the battle on behalf of those that are lost. Let us take up the shield of faith. Lord, let us know that that shield will hold, that no matter what the enemy throws against us, that it is more than capable, Lord, because our faith is that strong. Lord, let us grab hold of the sword of the Spirit. Lord, let us go on the offensive. Lord, you told us to occupy until you come. Lord, that doesn't mean that we just find something to keep us busy. Lord, that is a a military term of taking new ground, of occupying new territory. Lord, let us occupy new territory. Let us take down strongholds. Let us cast down the enemy. Let us win soul by soul and make a difference, Lord, as we get into this battle. Lord, it's all for you and for your cause. Let us find our place. Let us join the ranks and strap up. Lord, and let it be a glorious victory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
If you're a visitor with us today, Pastor David is headed out to the sign that says guests. Uh, He'd love to meet with you after the service. He does have a gift for you. The rest of us, we're so glad that you were with us today. We hope to see you again on Wednesday. Uh, Let me pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you for our time together and we thank you for this message series on living our lives on purpose. We ask, Lord, as we leave today as a body that we would be your hands and feet extended, living life on purpose in a world that is broken and in great need of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.